So, as you know, my name's Anthony, one of the leaders here. Am I very loud? I sound very loud. So, James, sort it out. There we go. Um, and uh, we're in a series called God With Us, and I've got the privilege today of being week two. And uh, last week, Gareth set up the series of, um, we're looking at the life of Jacob, and uh, just how his life is an example of him and God, and God being with him, which means we can learn something from it. And so last week, Gareth spoke out of uh, chapter 28, um, and just set up the, the, the story of Jacob, and where he finds himself after um, basically tricking his brother, and uh, doing all those things, and he makes a run for it. And uh, this week, I'm going to step into the story, back into the story, um, when we do this, I always feel like if I, is there any Lord of the Rings fans out there, just stick up your hand, don't scream. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, this is the equivalent of me asking you to sum up Lord of the Rings all three or nine hours in like 20 minutes. You just like, you, you can't. So I'm going to step into a new chapter, a different section of the story. And yes, there's a whole lot of detail that we just can't look at, but we're going to get the crux of the thing of, as we look at uh, Jacob's life. And so I'm going to pick up the story in chapter 31. But a bit of backstory, you need a bit of backstory, is uh, Jacob does a runner, and his mom says, listen, go to my brother Laban. You'll be safe there. And so he runs that way. And basically, in a nutshell, this is what happens. He gets there, and uh, he sees a woman, Rachel, and she's hot, according to him. And he falls in love he wants to get married. Laban says, not a problem. All you've got to do is work seven years. No problem. Scripture even says that it felt like a couple days to him. And he gets the wedding. <laughs> Laban tricks him. I'm sure I'm going to ask in heaven one day how that works, that you get tricked with the wrong wife. But uh, so he did. He gets tricked, and he gets up, uh, wakes up with Leah. And story goes forward. He says, no problem, I'll work another seven years for Rachel this time. And he does that. And in that time from when he's got Rachel as a wife, he gets Rachel and her maidservant. He gets Leah and her maidservant. So all of a sudden, he's got four ladies in his life. No room for complications there. Hey, guys, like zero, zero. Um, but nonetheless, we go into a mix of um, days of our lives slash 90-day fiancé slash drama where there's a lot of livestock getting born and there's a lot of kids getting born. Don't ask me in what order, but that happens, okay? A lot of livestock, a lot of kids. And uh, we find ourselves um, 14 years of working for his wives. God prospers him. He grows in wealth and status. And uh, even to the point that it's now two decades, it's 20 years into Jacob's life, and we get to chapter 31, and there's a twist, and chapter 31 uh, starts like this. I'm going to read, it's, qu it's quite a bit, unfortunately, I'm not doing the whole chapter, thank you, because it's 57 verses, so I'm just going to do the first 20, and uh, it'll be on the screen. Now, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with the favor as before. 
Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to him, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of a flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats had ma- that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of the Lord said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I've seen all that Laban is doing to you. I'm the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now rise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there any portion of or inheritance left for us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money, and all the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So Jacob rose, and he set his sons and wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padam Haram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. I'm going to stop there. So, there was a lot there, a lot happened there, but basically what we see is that uh, Jacob realizes that things aren't as cushy or as easy or as nice as they have been for the last 20 years. Not that it's been perfect, but that he's in this area of, of gain, and he realizes from the whispering and the murmuring that Laban's sons are not happy with him. And when the Bible speaks about not happy, we kind of think they're just frowning. But honestly, it's the kind of thing that leads to your life being lost. Um, There was no middle ground there. Not only that, the Bible tells us quite specifically that he says he realizes that Laban's face, or what he's basically saying is that Laban doesn't look at him the same way anymore. Um, All of us, if you're married, you know that your wife has her beautiful face, and then she's got a face in public that if she looks at you, you know exactly what she means. Can I hear an amen from the married Amorites? There's, there's a definite face. And so we know what he's talking about, where Laban, he realized that Laban as well is not look at, looking at him in the same light. When he was making money or possessions for Laban, Laban was very happy with him. But things have started to change. And Laban's not happy, and the sons are not happy. Not only that, he realizes that uh, um, it's not written, but God speaks to him. And I'm pretty sure when he realizes the sons are not happy and Laban's not happy, I'm pretty sure he, he probably does say a prayer one night going, please keep me alive in this. I actually don't know. And the beautiful thing is that God speaks. And God speaks to him and says, listen, it's time for you to leave. This is not the place you call to. It's time for you to go home. 
Not only that, but God says, in doing that, I am going to be with you. My presence will be with you in your going forward. Jacob, I'm taking you back to the land I promised you to Abraham, that I promised to your father Isaac, and I promised to give to you and your descendants that this is the right time, and I will be with you. And this is an important phrase that Jacob probably should have listened to a little bit more. I will be with you. Five words, but they're powerful five words, especially when the God of heaven is saying it to you. He's saying you don't need to fear Laban and his sons. I will be with you. I will protect you. I'll watch over you like I have for the last 20 years. Your children will be safe, etc., and like I said, that should have been something he should have really been encouraged by when God says, I will be with you. But often, even when God says that, like Jacob, he goes, that's great, but I'm going to make a few plans. And we see Jacob making a few plans in the story. And the next scene is Jacob has come up with his plan. He calls his wives out into the field by the sheep. So it's him and his two wives, people that he can trust. And he's basically saying, guys, God is, God is telling us to move. Now he's obviously telling his wives, listen, we're packing up and leaving the place you have known all your life, your family, everything. Um, so it's quite a big deal. And he calls them, and he has to sell this plan to them. And uh, we see in the story that um, the, he tells the wives what, he needs, what needs to happen, but he also reminds himself and them of some of the things God has already said to him in the past. And then uh, he tells them, even he goes back to chapter 28, where the word of God, and he has an interaction with God, and this is 20 years before. And uh, in that chapter, it goes like this. I'm just going to read. It should be on the screen. And the Lord stood above it all. He has a dream, and God speaks to him. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread throughout the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And it goes on. So in God speaking again to him, Jacob remembers. 20 or so years before he remembers how God had given him a promise, like Gareth taught us. But often in life, like Jacob things happen. We get into a zone, we get into a cycle, we get into an environment, we get into a culture or whatever, and we tend to forget the things of God often. We're prone to forgetting the promises of God, not just for his church, what he wants for his church and for, 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 for the bigger church, but often we even forget about the promises God speaks to us on a personal level. Maybe it's a word from somebody as you're growing, as you're renewing your faith, or even how you got to know God, how you realize that he is your savior. And during that time, 
you, you experienced a gift from him or a word from him and something was placed in your heart, but the things of life get to it and you easily forget it. And so Jacob finds, him in his, finds himself in that place where he starts remembering, like he's telling his wife, we gotta go, but you know what? God's gonna be with us. And I know he's gonna be with us because he was with me. And if you look back, it goes on and he, um, he explains to them like, listen, every time your, your dad has been dis- devious to me, he's tricked me, he's cheated me, but actually if we, if we look back, we can see how God has been with us. And so we can start trusting in the fact that he's gonna be with us. So often when, when you're in a moment in life where God may be calling you back to something or reminding you of something, you do well to actually look back to be able to move forward. And Jacob is having that moment with his wife saying, there's, there's evidence of God's grace. There's evidence of his presence in my life. So this is what we need to do. And we hear in the story that his wives are, haven't really been on the same page together for the last 20 years. They've been... Uh, outdoing each other, having babies, um, and all sorts. But they see something here. And for the first time, they're on the same page, and they're saying, actually, the evidence is there, Jacob. So what your God tells you, let's do it. And so Leah and Rachel remind Jacob that even the last time he tried to leave, their dad tricked him. And so Jacob has a moment where he's remembering God He's remembering his parents, but he still has this fear of man. He still goes, ah, but you know, uh, Laban, Laban was not so happy last time, and so he makes a plan. Again, he falls back to seeing how we get tripped up by that, the fear of man or the circumstances. And so I'm not gonna tell the rest of the story in full, but we see the story working out where he sets in motion this plan of ducking out at, in the middle of the night while Laban's away. He I'm not sure how that works either. Get all your sheep and your goats and your wives and servants and everything. It can't be quiet. But he waits. He plans. He schemes. But that shows you the scheming. He waits well. Laban needs to go share his sheep far away. So let's think this through. In the middle of the night, we're going to gather up all that stuff, chickens, whatever. And we're going to duck. We're going to make a run for it. Three days later, Laban comes back and says, "Uh, okay, something's missing gets really angry, gets 400 of his men, and they chase. And they make up three days. That's how hard they're going for it. Even on the way, God confronts Laban and basically says, lost Jacob eight. <laughs> I say, anumfat chanek your club. That's what I, that's the, uh, that's the Hebrew um, interpretation. Laban's like, whatever, I'm getting this guy. And there's a massive confrontation. The two of them meet. Laban accuses him. And then uh, Rachel has stolen his idols. And we can't get into that. This is not in time. That's too much. But we see this confrontation. And in the end, God is in that. And there's a peaceable, semi-peaceable separation from the two. And Jacob can get on his way. 
And the story can go on and on and on. But I want to look and I want to remind us, and I want to end very soon of this, is that as we read the story, like Jacob, we are often frail in mind and heart when we're working or we're walking out the things of God. You see, Jacob was a man of faith. He was. The Bible speaks about that. But he also struggled with weaknesses and strengths, strengths and weaknesses, just like you and me. And so this story this morning is, is not hard to listen, but you look at it and your vulnerability as a human is exposed. Because like Jacob, we come to this human, as humans with frailties and weaknesses and strength. Some of his weaknesses was that Jacob was a liar, plain and simple. He, he made things work for himself. We saw that with his brother. He cheats him basically twice. We saw how he lost his father twice. And so he's not a man of great integrity. He's a liar. He's a deceiver or manipulator. We see that in how he, he deals with Laban, even himself. They're like literally two tricksters, two con artists in, in, the, in the same family trying to outdo each other. He deceives his brother. He even at one point manipulates God in the, in the passages I was referring to earlier. He, he sees God and he's inspired him and he says, okay, God, I'll give you a tenth if you get me through this. I mean, he's literally negotiating or putting a condition on God. He schemes to get Laban's flock. He secretly leaves Laban. He's like, does a run in the middle of the night without doing it. He shows favoritism to people in his family, his wife and children. He's got weaknesses. He's got weaknesses. But he's also a man that come with some strengths. See, even in that manipulating of Esau and that, he still understood what a blessing from God meant or from his father meant. He understood what that was. He understood its value. On the flip side of that, he, he was a man that was also, he said like, God, I'm, I'm going to give you. Out of nothing I have, I'm going to give you a tenth of that. That, that. that thing can be seen in that way as well. He was, he was like, hey, I've got no problem giving back to you. Jacob is a man that finally recognizes, we don't see it in the story, but as we go into the story, we're going to realize in, in chapter 32, there's a moment where he again is in the presence of God or has a moment with God where he finally, it finally dawns on him that he has weaknesses and strengths and he is humbled. He's humble before God. He finally understands what God has been working in his life. He walks away with a limp, but he walks away with a heart and a mind set on the things of God. He now finally understands his posture and his demeanor before God. That all of this, everything that he points to, everything that he's about to go and stand before Esau with, nothing to do with him. It was all God. He is a man of action and decisiveness. We see ahead of his 
time that uh, ahead in the story that he does not stand for idols in his family. He commands his family, like, that's it. They are no longer a part of our family. He's a man of uh, loyal, uh, not loyalty, but um, obedience to God. Jacob had faith. Hebrews talks about it going, Hebrews 11, by faith, Jacob went down, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the, over the head of his staff. At the end of his life, the word of God refers to Jacob as a man of faith. Imperfect, full of weaknesses and some strengths, but a man on a journey. One of the things we learn when we read a story like this is that this is 20 years that we're only in a man. Our journey of, of, of uh, sanctification, if you would call it, is not instant. It's your whole life. And in your whole life, there's gonna be times when your weaknesses are more than you. There's gonna be time when there's hardship or sickness or grief or whatever it might be because we're in a broken world. But the story shows us that even in those things, God's presence is consistent. Because this passage is a narrative story, what we call a narrative, it's a story over a long period of time, we, we don't always see Jacob's faith in this. We don't see it. Due to Gareth, I've been limited to chapter 31. Now, my instinct is to say, right, I'll be in 31, but I want to go into 32, 33, 34, and carry on. So today we're looking, yeah, but because it's a narrative story, we don't always see God in it. We don't, uh, uh, but from the verse in Hebrews, we see that Jacob is a man of faith. His faith is strong enough to start seeing that without God, he is nothing. And so, shockingly, I'm coming in for a landing. Can you believe that? But the big question is when we read these narrative stories, we very easily and can often come into it going, it's a story. But today, I want to challenge myself as I've been looking at this and all of us here. Inevitably, when we get to see these narrative stories of the Bible, of these great men of the past or women of the past in the Old Testament, the thing is that we see ourselves in the story, always. We don't always want to, we struggle to, but we're in the story. See, we too come with strengths and weaknesses. Where are you in the story? Maybe is a, there's a bit of uh, not always being truthful going on, be that in a personal life, business world. Maybe there's an element of the story that reminds you of your weaknesses or your frailties when it comes to being deceived. Maybe you find yourself exactly like Jacob sitting in Laban's land, content, or things aren't great, it's not perfection, it's not paradise, but it's comfortable. It's comfortable. And you've got used to it. And you know what change and 
change into the unknown is not always comfortable. And so you've been quite comfortable sitting for an extended period of time there. Maybe you find yourself having forgotten what God has done in your life. Maybe you've got what Jacob had at that point, some a little bit of, of amnesia of what God had spoken into his life or what God has spoken into your life. Be that 10 days ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but God speaks into our lives. Maybe you find yourself having forgotten that. Maybe you find yourself more fearful of man than of what God is calling you to. Maybe the things of this world and the, 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 the status you might have or the place you might have or the people you're surrounded by, maybe all of that adds up to the fact that you find yourself quite stuck where you are, unable to answer what God is calling out of you because of that fear of man. And we, so we see ourselves in the story. Our frailties are exposed in these narratives. But chapter 31 also shows us God. It tells us about who God is, his character. See, God is not asked, doesn't ask a lot of Jacob here. He asks for his faithfulness. He asks for his, his, um, his faithfulness and his obedience. He doesn't ask, but what we see is God shows now and has consistently shown Jacob mercy, grace, consistency. He has blessed him. And we even seeing in this story, we see some of God's jealousy for his people. So chapter 31 is not just us seeing ourselves. It's also, more so than that, we're seeing God. And God often does call you and me to say, you know what, it's time. It's time for us to go home. Home being in his presence, being with him, seeking his presence, seeking his call, seeking his will. And exactly like Jacob, that can be scary. We can be full of fear, but God shows his steadfastness, his consistency, his love through this story. Even to an imperfect Jacob, and he shows it to an imperfect you and me. The band can come up so long. There's a close off. So as we look at Jacob's story, and we see, if we read on over the next two or three weeks, we're going to see how God's redemptive plan plays out regardless of anything. God's plan to redeem Jacob and fulfill the promises that he had for his chosen people, it plays out. God is steadfast. God is consistent. He is the same today, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And not only that, God continues through the Old Testament, keeps hinting at that actually my redemptive plan is going to take on a different twist. 
And you and I are privileged this morning to be on the other side of that. You see, you and I find ourselves in the same place as Jacob with a faithful, merciful, gracious, loving God, probably the most consistent thing in our lives, through all our inconsistencies and our frailties, God is the most consistent thing we have. His faithfulness to us in 2023 is no different to that in Genesis. He has a redemptive plan in place. That redemptive plan was his son, Jesus Christ, who he put into place to come to earth to live a life like us, experience this broken world just like us, and to put him on a cross to let him die a death that you and I should die. And that by doing that, you and I are able to be in his presence with confidence and with boldness and being able to go when God says, come, it's time to go home. We don't have to be fearful. On top of that, exactly like Jacob, God doesn't say perfection first. He says, I'm gonna use you, I'm gonna redeem you, I've got plans for you, I've got a call on your life, even with those weaknesses that you might have. He has consistently reminded us in his word that he will be with us. Some of the scriptures that I found was Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. John 14, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 